guess today is about just catching up, um, yeah. talking about uh, what we did together in the yeah. years ago. Yeah, well, I wanted to take this like very, you know, precious time to kind of interview you. What do you think about that? Sounds cool. <laughs> well, I'm a bit, it's just a bit nervous now. Yeah, no, don't be nervous. It's just that there's so many unknowns in the nutrition section of triathlon or athletics in general. And I know for me, how I met you um, was, I remember it was, oh, God, six years ago or something. I met you through Tim Reed. Um, you know, we're of the same era. And I was saying, you know, gosh, I've, you know, I've done, done these Ironmans and I'm still learning. Like, you know, I think Ironman New Zealand recently was literally my 69th Ironman finish. And my, my nutrition, like, that's the thing about since I met you, the last thing I'm thinking about in an Ironman is gut issues. And then in my head, I'm like, how did I do go porta potty to porta potty my first 30 plus Ironman (laughs) or whatever it was. So, um, and, and that's been key for me. So I'm very thankful to Tim, Timbo Reed for introducing us. And you came out to when we then lived in Marin in, in San Francisco, California, and you, you had me do some things and we figured out what works for me. And as you know, and I, that's what I want you to share to the audience here is like every body and everybody and everybody is different. And whether it's how much they weigh or how, what, how much they lose in sweat and sodium and all this stuff. And I need to learn what me, my, and I am not an I, me, my person, but in this scenario, I needed to know what worked best for me, Meredith, based on weighing, I know the metrics, 58K and, um, or 58, yeah, 58. And, um, and then just knowing how much, energy I expend and all that goodness, but like, and, and, and if you remember correctly, I, when I was sent um, the product by you and I was giving it to you and I learned from you, that's what I needed to do. I needed to learn from you because before I was just like, okay, I'll have three of these very high sugar gels <laughs> and I will drink this very high sugar drinks that are supposed to have, you know, electrolytes in them, which they did. But all that did for me was create this like gut bomb. And you took that gut bomb away from me. And now, like I said, it's the last thing I think about. So I guess my question to you is, how do you look at an athlete and say, wow, we need to do A, B, and C with this person so they can thrive out on the course? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's, you're spot on with, um, understanding that you're unique and that every single athlete has a unique physiological makeup that particularly for triathlon, you need to have an understanding of, you know, a a, a few things. Um, It's, it sounds a little complicated at the start, but it's actually really quite simple. Um, But the main thing I think for a lot of people is about um, firstly understanding their calorie requirements um and the, the the rule of thumb or what a lot of people have that understanding of is it's it's just your weight uh in metric it's uh, one gram of carbohydrate per kilogram of body weight per hour i'm not too sure how you um, convert that imperially right. but right so so for example the the message they're getting is that okay if i'm 70 kilo which is Hang on one second. Um, if I'm 70 kilo, 
155 pound that I need to take a certain amount of calories. Right. And, and in this case, um, it works out to four calories per gram per kilo. So a 70 kilo athlete would be consuming around about 280 calories an hour. That, that's the, the rule of thumb. But it's not about how much you weigh, it's about how fast you're going. So it's understanding and everyone, well, most people have a, a heart rate monitor, a device that they can record their calorie expenditure. So my, my um, advice to that athlete is you can be 70 kilo or you can have two 70 kilo athletes, same height, same weight, but if one of that, if, if the 70 kilo athlete is competing to, to win the event and the other 70 kilo athlete is competing just to finish, the, the energy expenditure of the athlete that is trying to win the race, as opposed to the one that's, um, you know, they, they're just happy to be there and they've done a little bit of training, the calorie intake is going to be very different. So it's not, it's not based on how much you weigh, it ba it's based on how fast you're going to go. And that's what people don't understand right there. Because before I met you, I was like, oh no, I'm 58 kilos. I need 300 calories an hour. That's enough, you know, and then we realized actually <laughs> you need about 200 and you need more electrolytes or whatever it is. But yeah. like, that's what people, what you just said, the, that it's not necessarily about weight. It's about energy expenditure. Correct. Yeah. So the, the 70 kilo athlete who, who is looking to win the race, who is expending a, a huge amount of energy, um, may be expending, you know, 750 to 800 calories an hour where, where the other 70 kilo athlete who is looking to finish just to finish, just to compete and be happy with that, um, with that challenge. They might only, may only be expending 450 to 500 calories an hour. But if they go off that general rule of one gram of a carbohydrate per kilogram of body weight per hour, then one of them is likely not to get enough. And the other ones is going to get too, is going to be too much and it's going to compromise their stomach. So it's, it's looking at the device that you have on your wrist um, using a chest strap, which is, um, a lot more, it, it tends to give a, a more accurate number of, of your calorie expenditure. And a calorie is just a unit of energy. Right. So for triathlon, not much we can do in the swim. So the bike ride is the key. Right. So how much energy or how many units of energy do I expend riding my bike for 90 kilometers or 180 kilometers? How much energy is expended? So once you have that idea, you start to, you look at heart rate zones, you look at the wattage you're pushing out. And the most important thing is riding that 90 kilometers or 100 kilo, 180 kilometers, whether it's a half Ironman or Ironman, at an intensity that it's a solid intensity, but it's not too hard that it's going to make the, the runner struggle. So that's, um, I, I think that's the, the main thing to get through to athletes is don't use calculations based off a, off a generalization. You've got the numbers there to use. 
Which is huge because even recently I sent you um, a gal that I work with and, and she, you know, I coach her and she's a doctor, you know, she is a doctor in the military, very smart. And she struggles so much in this, uh, you know, department and she's all of oh, 50 kilos, you know, or whatever that is, a hundred pounds or whatever. Um, but she's strong, as you know, she can produce a lot of watts and a lot of energy expenditure, but she's having, she's in turmoil. And, and the point is, is she's already, cause I sent her a few things that I had so she could get it faster here in the States. And she's already like starting to like, just settle knowing that, like she didn't know that. And I, what I'm saying is she's a doctor and very smart and educated and very good at her job, but she, she doesn't get what, she gets what works for other people in her career, but she doesn't get what works for her. So that's what the point is to the audience here, I think is that what you just said has so much meaning and importance that people need to know. It's not just about how much they weigh and everything. Cause I was really misinformed about that prior to, you know, learning from you in this capacity. Yeah. So there's, then there's the, the physiological makeup of that person's digestive system, mm -hmm. which is extraordinarily unique. Everyone, right. what is there? 7 billion of us on the planet and none of us, no one's alike. There's so right. many variables. So firstly, the understanding of your calorie expenditure based on the intensity that you compete at. That's right. the important number. Right. Then there's the understanding that we've got to consume calories at elevated heart rate. Right. But the limitation is how much our stomachs are able to process. So there's always going to, there's going to be a gap between your expenditure and your stomach's tolerance or, or the, or the stomach's limitations mm -hmm. um, because the, the digestive system is extraordinarily complex. Um, and there's so much going on there that still, you know, people still don't understand it completely. It's mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of neurons. So there's, there's athletes your size mm -hmm. who can consume a greater amount of calories than someone who might be you know, 30 or 40 pound heavier. Mm -hmm. You're expending a similar amount of calories. You can look, you can see that from the calorie expenditure, but for whatever reason, um, the smaller athlete in some instances is able to take on a greater amount of calories. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's the key to understanding firstly your expenditure and then how much your stomach can tolerate to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So the closer you can get to that gap and arrive into T2, the better that marathon's going to be. Right. Because you don't see anyone lining up for a half marathon or a full marathon going to do four or five hours exercise beforehand. <laughs> they rock up <laughs> they Sorry. rock up there with minimal deficiencies. And that's mm -hmm. why they're able to run at that speed for that period of time. Right. The thing with triathlon is you're coming into T2 with a whole bunch of deficiencies, mm -hmm. but the better that you can manage those deficiencies, the better that runs going to be. Mm -hmm. So um, it's that understanding how much, am I, how much am I expending and how much and how many calories can my stomach comfortably tolerate? But you're also, what you should go into is you're really good about, it all depends on 
weather conditions, like as to, um, you know, maybe I need more calories if it's uh, warmer or cooler, or you don't need as much. And so you have the aspect of energy expenditure for calories. And then there's a whole other bucket uh, called hydration, right? Um, where, where you're getting your, you know, electrolytes and all, all of that. So that's what I found, like we found the perfect formula for me that, but my formula, I remember Caroline Stefan was like, Oh no, honey, I drink about a half of what you need to drink. You know what I mean? Or I only need one and a half gel per hour. Her body only needed that. And I was like, really? Dude, I need like two and a half gels per hour to, and my stomach's fine. Her stomach wasn't. So it's like, that's so important for everyone to be cognizant of too, is like, it just doesn't happen overnight. You, you actually do need to trial and error a little bit and it's based on conditions i mean i've talked to you a hundred times i've emailed you like all right all right daryl it's gonna be you know 40 degrees in this race and it's gonna be 12 degrees in this race how are my how is my nutrition gonna change and what did you what would you guide us to a 12 degree race or a 40 degree race what i mean there's a huge difference of what you can tolerate in your brain and in your stomach based on that as well yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is that um, with calorie intake, um, it's likely not going to change um, because you're at 12 degrees or 35 degrees or whatever the temperature you're, you're competing in, you're still pushing out the same amount of power. So your expenditure right. is still the same. Right. Um, so your intake should remain the same. There's going to be some right. instances in very hot, humid conditions where with some athletes we backed off the calorie component slightly which would allowed us to increase the amount of um, fluid they would consume right. um, so it was that trade-off between um, in some conditions if an athlete has a very high sweat rate in, in, in what we've done is look rather than pushing out 300 watts an hour let's drop that to 280 or, or you know mm. because if you if you operate at that intensity in those conditions the gap between how much you're losing and how much your stomach can tolerate is going to be too great mm -hmm. and it won't matter how fast your bike ride is you just won't have you, you, the deficiencies will be too great to have a decent run so right the the, the two things that change that, that sorry the, the one okay. thing that changes mm -hmm. is just the volume of fluid that you consume and that's because right. in cooler conditions, your sweat rate or the volume of fluid that you lose mm -hmm. is not anywhere near as much as what it's going to be in hotter, humid conditions. Right. So that was, I think, the biggest thing with us working together was that understanding that the volume of fluid that you're going to consume is going to change. Right. And this is where the problem exists where a lot of athletes are relying on their calories in their drink or a right. good portion of their calories in their drink. Right. And that's when right. you lock yourself into a set volume of fluid. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think we've identified with the stomach issues that you were having yep. was you had a set volume of fluid mm -hmm. and regardless of what the temperature was, that's what you drank. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge deal. And that was not ideal for me to have done. 
But I mean, um, what happens now is, let me, let me say this. When people ask me, all right, what, what nutrition do you use? And tell me about it. Why does it work for you? And my like, literally like easy answer is, well, Daryl took all the fructose out of it. <laughs> like all the sugar basically, because what was, uh, the, when, when I use the word gut bomb, that's like a lot of the sugar is what made things nutty. Right. Um, an example in, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 20, 23 degrees in New Zealand recently. Uh, and I comfortably had two and a half gels an hour. Could have had three, took a little more towards the end, ran my best, fastest marathon ever. It actually probably got up to 27, 28 um, by the marathon. And why I'm saying all that is because I didn't even, not to be crass, but I, there wasn't even a fart out there. Like I had no GI issues. There was, and that's how most of my Ironman, that's how my Ironmans, I never think about having to go to the bathroom and have the dreaded, you know, porta potty experience or be so ill. And that's a huge deal for Ironman athletes because how many people have you just, I mean, we don't even look at it now. Like I just run by someone who's has diarrhea down their pants. It's just, it, it just is. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, you, I need to introduce that, that person to Daryl. <laughs> but what I'm asking you is, um, I think what people want to know is like in, you know, your, your gel specifically are your calorie provider. So I guess like people want to know how does Coda differ from Cliff Bar or Goo? And I'm just like, oh, it is night and day if you want to know. But I think that's a really key thing to talk about here because people don't understand. They think gel is a gel. Oh, it's sugar. It's, um, you know, it's a hundred calories or whatever it is. And that's, that's great. But there's such a difference between Coda gel and the others that are thicker. They're like, you know, just have more sugar. So can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I can go into the characteristics of yeah. when you're putting together um, any type of calorie that you expect an athlete to be consuming at elevated heart rate. So there's lots of things to consider. Um, and, and the main thing when formulating these things is you need to use ingredients that are going to be gentle on the stomach as possible. And you're spot on with, with fructose um, in its natural form as a fruit sugar generally is quite, um, quite gentle on the stomach. Um, but the crystalline forms that, that other products use, it's heavily processed and heavily, heavily refined. Right. Right. And it was interesting because I had recognized this a number of years ago because, um, the stomach is, it's the single most important organ in the body when you're competing in an endurance event, you right. compromise the stomach, you slow down. It's as simple as that. Right. So 100%. The, the key is to, um, is to firstly find ingredients that aren't going to upset the stomach or are less likely to upset the stomach and anything that's highly processed and refined is likely going to upset the stomach simply because it doesn't recognize it. It's so foreign. So, the, the maltodextrin that we use, it's a high grade premium maltodextrin. It's the one we used back in 1995. And that's when there wasn't that many maltodextrins around. Right. right. But as there's been more products come into the market, mm -hmm. the 
the suppliers of these maltodextrins, um, you know, I guess what happens is, yeah, look, I want to enter the market, but I don't want to spend that much money on producing the product. How can we get a better price? So they add refined crystalline form sugars to increase the yield, but it, it cheapens the product. So it's less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what we've noticed over the time is that these companies, they get into a bit of a price war and the ingredients costs right. are less. Therefore they can spend more money on marketing and they've got better margins and all that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. but that doesn't help the athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of athletes are on the impression that stomach issues, that's just part of endurance racing. Right. <laughs> and and oh. there's a lot, they go, well, that's just something you have to deal with. Well, it's actually not, not if you right. find the right product that works for you. Right. Um, so the, the second thing, um, importantly is energy to volume ratio. And what that means is how many, what volume or, or how much am I consuming to access the calories that I need to consume? So for example, if your calories are in your drink, in your, in your water bottle, mm-hmm. you've got to consume that all that fluid to access those calories. So there's a huge volume your stomach needs to tolerate. Mm-hmm. Now with a gel, particularly the gels that I've, and I've especially formulated them 117 calories. Mm-hmm. Because we, what we've recognized over the years is that is about 350 calories an hour is the maximum the stomach can tolerate over an extended period of time at elevated heart rate. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean everyone consumes 350 calories. That would be sort of the elite level who are right. pushing out huge amount of um, power. Right. So um, the key then is the volume that that athlete needs to consume to access those 350 calories. Mm -hmm. Now, in this case, that's one gel every 20 minutes. So, um, the, you can, you can, over that hour, you can consume 350 calories in under about a hundred mils volume, Mm -hmm. which is, what's, I don't know. It's about three ounces or something like Mm -hmm. that. So a very small volume. Right. So it's that a large amount of calories in a small volume. Right. So with the athlete, they start to think about these sorts of things. Okay. So I need these calories, but I don't want to compromise the stomach too much. And the reason that we separate calories and hydration. Right. Is that the volume of fluid that, like we mentioned before, the volume of fluid that you're going to consume. Yeah. Is going to be commensurate with the temperatures that you're experiencing on, on, competition day or training day yep. or whatever it might be. Yep. But that's based on how much you're actually losing. And right. what we've recognized, and you mentioned Caroline Stefan before, who I've worked with yep. for many years. Yep. Although she's slightly bigger than you, mm-hmm. her sweat rate or the volume of sweat she loses on the exact same day as you at a similar intensity mm-hmm. is, yep. is less than what you lose. Right. Which a lot of people would have been in the impression that uh, Meredith is a lot smaller than, than uh, Caroline. Meredith will lose a lot more, uh, sorry, a lot less sweat than Caroline mm-hmm. would. But right. in fact, it was the opposite. Opposite, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that understanding energy to volume ratio. Right. I need this many calories, but I need to take it in an, in an amount that isn't going to compromise or put too much pressure on the stomach. 
right. there's been there's been some um, companies who have come out um, and their marketing is oh this is really liquid and it's easy to get down. Right. All they've done is added water to it, so it's increased yep. the volume, but it's reduced yep. the calories. Yep. So you're consuming twice the amount for less calories. Right. So that's that it's wonderfully well marketed. Right. They've reduced their production costs. Yep. But it'd be like going to the gas station, filling <laughs> up your car, paying the same amount of money, but only getting two thirds of a tank of fuel rather than right. a full tank. Right. So um, it's having that understanding. Um, the next is thermic effect. Yep. And thermic effect is how much energy is used to convert this food into fuel. Mm -hmm. And with a gel, um, the thermic effect is very low in that it's pre-digested in its manufacture. So when it arrives into the stomach, it's already in a form the stomach recognizes. Right. So when we eat normal food, it's converted to chyme in the stomach. Right. Through a whole bunch of different processes. Mm -hmm. So the gel bypasses those processes, enters the stomach in a form it already recognizes, bang, moves straight through. There's mm -hmm. nothing inhibiting it to move through. So from that perspective, it's a fuel that is, is very fast. It, it works quickly. But at the same time, it's not pulling blood away from active muscles to have to deal right. with in the stomach. So that's an important consideration is that thermic effect. Right. Um, and then there's the low sensory impact. And what that means is at elevated heart rate, our senses are heightened. Mm -hmm. So something that's mildly disturbing at rest is very right. good. Have you ever lost it on the course or do you feel like? Oh yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, some, so something that probably wouldn't bother you at rest mm -hmm. at elevated heart rate becomes right. very annoying. So the right. same thing with, with our senses when it comes to our digestive system, it's, it, it doesn't want to be sticky and claggy on the mouth. It wants to be nice and smooth consistency. Right. Right. Don't, don't, uh, it doesn't affect the throat. So it's not sickly sweet or has an ingredient that, um, will make you want to gag basically. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. And then it's how it sits on the stomach. Like right. is there anything in that particular, um, is there an ingredient that your stomach just doesn't um, right. tolerate? And what we found is fructose, which is in a lot of gels, yep. is something that a lot of athletes um, have. It can be from mild stomach issues to uncontrollable diarrhea. Yeah. So, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's those three things. Energy right. to volume ratio, thermic effect, and low sensory impact. They're the things that are very, very important when it comes to your calorie intake. Right. Well, and you also want gel, like for me, it's a non, and it's not invasive. It's almost, it's not like what, I mean, yeah, you can tell it's not water or anything, but it's the, the consistency is so different that I, this sounds crass, but I just squirt it in my mouth and I swallow and I have some couple swigs of water and I'm good to go. And it, it, it's like, um, it's like I didn't, even do anything physically, but I, the effects of it, I feel because I have energy, right? So like that is key for me because sometimes, 
before I met you, I just, I would do the squirt in my mouth and just be like, you got to just swallow it, just swallow it. But I, you could actually feel it not getting to your blood and not getting to where it needed to go. Um, and that's what I appreciate is like the, the low drama of it. It's just, you know, like you said, it doesn't sit in my throat. It's not too sugary. I don't suddenly have cavities immediately also never. Um, so that, that all, those, those, those points make sense about that. But I know a lot of people too. I know you have a big opinion on caffeine and you know, like cola is my favorite of your gels of, of Coda gels. Cola's just talk about as tasty and un. The, the good news is even if your, your gels didn't taste good, they'd still, I'd still have them because they work, they work for me. But the cola is specifically like, um, there's been races where I've only had cola the whole day cola flavor. Um, and those actually don't have caffeine in them, but I'll have one before the swim. I'll have, what a, if I'm on the bike five hours, I'll at least have 10, 11, 11 gels. Not many, not many people can handle that. My stomach is fine because then I go on the run and I have about six, seven more and I'm fine. The only thing I want at the end is, uh, you know, a burger, but that would happen regardless. So my point is that the uninvasive part of of what you're speaking of, that's that's crucial for us athletes. Like we don't want it sticking. We don't want it um, like causing drama in our mouth. Like everything's so dramatic anyway out there, we need easy. So back to my question about caffeine, cola, your cola gel actually doesn't have caffeine, but where do you see caffeine coming into all of this? Yes, we've done a lot of work on caffeine. I'm glad you mm -hmm. asked that because I wanted to talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. So, we have five non-caffeinated flavors yep. and we have three caffeinated flavors. Right. And the thing with caffeine is that every athlete will have a different response to caffeine. Right. And we've researched and tested that quite heavily in that some athletes um, will take caffeine and have no response to it all. There's no, there's no effect on them at all. Some will be mild and then other athletes will take it and they will just, it's like giving them rocket fuel, like their power automatically comes up and they're able to hold it. Um, there's that sense of their legs not hurting as much. So there's that pain receptor. Yeah. But the thing with caffeine is that it doesn't actually give you energy. What it does is alter the perception of how you feel. So it's those times where, that mental fatigue starts to creep in. Mm -hmm. That's when caffeine is for those that it works on is when mm -hmm. you take caffeine. So mm -hmm. for um, particularly Ironman, mm -hmm. um, you want to be careful not to take caffeine too early. Right. Um, it's it, because you want to be, you want to be riding your bike at an intensity that you've trained for at an average heart right. rate zone or wattage or whatever, what, whatever um, you use. Right. If you take caffeine early, you're going to be riding along based on a perceived perception of how you feel, not how you actually feel. Mm -hmm. And what happens a lot is that, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah, you you get that, 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 uh, buzz. it's like a buzz. Yeah. The perception <laughs> of, you know what? I feel right. fantastic and you start riding in an intensity beyond what you should be. Right. Because it's about measuring your effort. It's about right. arriving into T2 based on 
the intensity that you've trained for, not beyond that, because if you ride beyond that, that half marathon or marathon is going to be not as an enjoyable as you would have liked. Right. Right. So the caffeine um, is that point where those negative thoughts start to creep in. Like, what am I doing here? (laughs) I've still got 15 miles to go on the bike. Right. This is really hard. Oh, I've got a marathon to run. Right. That's when the caffeine is, is an advantage when that mental fatigue kicks in. Right. That makes sense. And we talked about that aside from just one cup of coffee in the morning, that's way earlier. I don't hit caffeine until I I start using the green plum gels on the run because they have a kick of caffeine. And of course, as Ironman athletes, we never want to think how much further we have to go. (laughs) But then once we do, you're right. It's time to shift over to caffeine. I do keep one green plum on my bike in case I have like a disaster that I just need some caffeine. And it does, I start, it's like rocket fuel sometimes, but I've also heard people, and I think these are the people who must drink coffee all day and have no, (laughs) no reaction. I've heard of the athletes that literally can have all caffeinated gels and they're, they're fine. Um, but, but me, I, I let it sit until, cause I don't want to produce watts beyond my means too early you know i'd rather save it for when i really need it which is always going to be the marathon right so i I wondered your thoughts on that so no that was helpful and that's why you created um gels that have both which is key because we all need a little sometimes you know yeah well and and that's why i arrived at 80 milligrams it it, it seemed to be an amount that um the percentage of, of athletes that I worked for okay. at that amount yep. was, seemed to be the, the, the best or, or, the, yep. or the greatest amount. So, um, you know, you see some gels who all have caffeine, like, you know, 25 milligrams. Now, right. we found that 25 milligrams really didn't give the athlete the, that stimulus they needed to... Right to get rid of those negative thoughts, right. those voices in their head. Right. So, um, yeah, there's, that's, that, I think that's been the biggest difference is that um, the products that we've developed, uh, it's based on applied research. It's not, let's right. develop this product and say really good things about it. Right. Let's but you work, also, oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, let's, let's work out firstly what's going to work best for the majority right. of athletes. You're never going to please everyone. That's the one thing that you need to right. have an understanding of in this, in this industry is that um, everyone is so different. Right. But what you do is you manufacture products or design products that are going to work for the majority. Well, right. And one thing that should be noted is your, your um, the hydration Coda produces the, in the electrolyte tabs none of those have caffeine. And that's what I wanted to hear more about is your take on um, keeping caffeine out of those electrolyte tabs, if you will, in, in our hydration scenario and keeping them in the gels instead. Yeah, that's right. So um, when you're talking hydration, mm-hmm. that's all we're, we're talking hydration. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously hydration is, is consuming a, a volume of fluid that is going to minimize blood volume loss. Um, so from a hydration perspective, and this is, I think, where we worked mostly on um, 
with, with your your with your strategy mm-hmm. was that understanding that the volume of fluid that you're going to consume is going mm-hmm. to change if you're racing right. Montre and Blanc. You just right. simply don't need to drink as much, right? Um, as opposed to you know hotter races where the volume of fluid you need to drink is going to be you know an amount that um, is going to minimise the gap between your losses and how much your stomach can tolerate. Right. So yeah, the hydration and it's it's why we separate the two is because um, it's specific requirements in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can have, and, and we've done this in our testing. We've had 30 athletes um, on, on trainers all pushing the same wattage. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, three watts per kilo so a solid yeah solid hit out and the the sweat rates varied massively between those 30 athletes right um all pushing the same amount of power in the same temperature and humidity mm-hmm. so um that alone was um you know a big eye at me in regards to the volume of fluid that that athlete needed to consume so then it comes back down to how much your stomach can tolerate so there's always going to be a gap with your hydration there's always going to be there's always going to be a gap with the amount of sodium that you can consume as well so that's if an athlete goes into an event with the understanding that i can't match what my output is Mm -hmm. but what I can do is I can minimize the gap and arrive into T2 with the least amount of deficiencies. Right. So if, if our stomach was able to tolerate a greater amount of sweat and a greater amount of sodium, sorry, a greater amount of fluid and a greater amount right. of sodium and a greater amount of calories, we could just keep going and going and going right. and going. But that's, that's our limiter. Our limiter is... Right our stomach and it's digest and the digestive system. Right. So that's the, that's the thing with, um, with some athletes who will just naturally, um, perform well in hotter conditions. Right. And those athletes will have a lower sweat rate. So the volume of sweat that they lose is less and the concentration of sodium in that sweat is less. That's why Caroline is better in Kona than I am. <laughs> yeah, Caroline. Um, so good. <laughs> always had always done well in hot, humid conditions. Yep. She would go into the Philippines and places like Amazing. that. Yep. In brutally hot, humid conditions, and and compete very well simply because yep. she was able to manage her losses right better than the other athletes around her right because she wasn't losing as much right they could have all drunk the exact volume and the same amount of sodium, Mm -hmm. but the gap between what her losses were and what her intake was, was a lot less than what, and and that there impacts on brain and muscle function. Right. And the greater that deficiency, the bigger that impact has on how the muscles function. So, It's it's really it's really quite simple, but it's it's that understanding of what right. your actual numbers are. Right, simple but complicated, all all the <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah, I think once you have the numbers, right, 
and you have an understanding that um, you, you can't match your losses. You, there's, there's, mm-hmm. It's impossible to match your losses. Right. But having an understanding of your unique requirements. Right. And then having an understanding of your unique digestive system. Mm-hmm. You get those two right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what you said, you, you know, we were going to talk about next time is that's what people want to know. How do you get to those unique requirements that are individual to you? And like, I know you, you have a whole uh, process of doing that. And that's what you did for me and what, what you did for Caroline and all your other athletes is just finding out what works for that individual because it's all, it can be really complicated. Like what I can do, she can't do and vice versa. And so that's the important for athletes to know is like, how do you arrive at knowing those unique things? And that's what we were going to dive into for sure. Cause there's a lot for, there's a lot to be learned on that. And now I don't even think about it because I know what my body needs per hour in 12 degrees or 35 degrees. And that, that has worked for us, but it, it's not like it happened. Like I said, overnight, it took me a while to find the formula. And now the formula, woo, last thing I think about on race day, I just like line up my, my coda stuff and I, I arrive at the race start. So I think that's what everybody wants to know is um, that how do you get arrive at that unique formula? Yeah, that's, um, I, I just wanted to mention also, because we talked about how well some athletes um, yeah. compete in the heat. There's right. Also, there's also athletes that compete very well in the cold. Right. <laughs> and, those, and those athletes that compete well in the heat do yeah. not do well in the cold. Right. And, you know, that's, it, it's, it's playing to your strengths as well. It's understanding right. that, you know what, I, I just feel like, um, you know, there's a certain temperature that my body operates right. the best in. And that might be yeah. mild, to te- mild temperatures. It might be cold temperatures. It might be hot, humid temperatures. Right. And that comes down to your physiological makeup. Right. And it's what we've recognized over the many years is that if you do have a high sweat rate and, and or a high sodium concentration in your sweat, mm-hmm. those cooler races are, are generally races where you do very well. Right. Um, what we found with athletes with a low sweat rate and a low sodium concentration in their sweat is that they get to a cold race and they just can't get their muscles warm. They just cannot right. get to a core temperature that their body operates best at. Right. So there's all these different mechanisms and all these different things that yeah. go on that it's, it's really quite fascinating. Um, so yeah, to just to um, answer your question about the hydration is there's um what, whatever the mechanism is, like obviously we have the hypothalamus, which is a size of an almond, the part of our brain that controls homeostasis and um, you know, can also, it also controls thirst and hunger and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's a tiny, tiny little piece of our right. brain that's controlling all these things that are going on while we're competing in an endurance event. Right. Um, so, um, the, the, the number one thing that I talk to athletes about is when they're out doing their key training sessions on the bike mm-hmm. is that they do pre and post weighing. So they get right. an understanding of the volume of sweat that they lose right. in, in different environmental conditions. So the two things that dictate the volume of sweat that you lose mm-hmm. is 
the intensity or the workload right and the environmental conditions so if you alter either one of those it's going to give you a different result mm-hmm. so this is where i sort of get a bit annoyed with <laughs> published articles and the literature is out there that says you know um it's so it's so general with the information and the conclusions that they come to mm-hmm. and you read these these published articles that say okay well you know th- this is what you do and you know it's going to work for everyone well if you alter that test and change the temperature and humidity you're going to get a whole different range of numbers mm-hmm. so the conclusion is going to be different right so um i think any athlete that reads too much can get very confused right because um they're reading about the subjects in that test they're reading about mm-hmm. their physiological makeup they're reading mm-hmm. about the intensity that they did the test at they're reading mm-hmm. about the conditions they did the test in and they're reading about that athlete's unique digestive system right none of that stuff in that report is is um it, all all it is is good information for that particular athlete who did the study right in those conditions not 10 degrees or 15 or 20 degrees warmer mm-hmm. or 15 or 20 degrees cooler mm-hmm. those conditions at that intensity right so that's that's the most important thing is understanding firstly the intensity that you're going to compete at mm-hmm. and the environmental conditions that you're going to compete in mm-hmm. and that will dictate your specific volume of sweat that you lose in those conditions right and like we said before regardless of your gender weight height anything like that there's going to be a, a set amount of fluid or sweat that you're going to lose in those conditions right and that will change right yeah you adapt you learn and adapt and i you know i was thinking as you were talking we will have to have another conversation sometime about how it is different too for women who have just had babies and are nursing. And we talked about that after Tremblant where I literally couldn't feel my legs. And you're like, oh, Meredith, you have a nine month old, you're still nursing all the new, you know, nutrition. I didn't do anything different nutrition wise. It was just going to my boobs and not to my legs. And I felt that <laughs> like, and Caroline and I talked about that cause we both raced after our kids. Our kids are only a couple of weeks apart and it's a big deal. And I get asked this question all the time. Like, you know, when, when you are nursing, that's a whole new ball game out there too. And uh, not getting the required calories that you need for you to thrive in an Ironman distance. Maybe I shouldn't have lined up for an Ironman distance at when Mac was four months, but I'm telling you <laughs> my Ironman he did, I did at four months was my best. I did four the year that year. My nine month when he was nine months when I, it was Tremblant where I was so, was my worst and and that's because motherhood accumulated and I told you that I said nursing accumulated, um, I just it, lack of sleep and that's yes. a factor with with nutrition too and all this that we're talking about so we're gonna save that too because you know I can dive into all that goodness too but you taught me a lot about that um, because I changed my ways after that um, and it got it got much better so. But it still takes a toll on, on women. And if guys, if, if dads aren't sleeping enough at night, I'm too. It's not just, I'm, woe is me. I had a baby and I was nursing, blah, blah, blah. But I learned it was eye-opening. And, and 
that can be true if a gentleman's coming back from injury and things aren't clicking well and nutrition and la la la. So lots to be discussed, right? DG, a lot, so much. Yeah. The sport no, I look is forward gnarly. To it. Yeah, I look forward to it because we can go into hydration right. um, in a lot more detail because there's, there's a lot to understand. And when right. you have that understanding, things right. just start to click. Oh, okay, I get that now. I get Correct. Okay. Right. So, yeah, uh, maybe if you're if you're up for another chat, I'm I'm hundred percent. Absolutely, we need to teach people the your the Daryl Griffith sweat test <laughs> and what what that means, what it entails, what you have to do because people can learn a lot from. I know my athletes are thriving for it when they do. You know, get in a controlled environment, get your get A, B, and C, and so we need to teach everyone that on the next call for sure, because so much is learned from that hour at pace. So much data is learned so that you can use that data in racing. And of course in training, practice, 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 but then where it helped me is after we, I gave you that data for that, that's when I really started thriving is because I learned what I needed to do and then I adjusted and kind of recalibrated and then used it. So that's what I, I definitely want to talk about those things next time also. Cool. So yes, a hundred percent. We're doing it. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, enjoy lockdown as much yes, as you can. That's right. Crazy times. Um, crazy times. The, yeah. But and, we'll get there. We'll be out there racing. I, I'm still training like I'm racing next week, even though I'm racing actually Saturday, just on um, a virtual platform on Ironman, but, um, and, and I just so greatly, I forgot to tell you this, Daryl, is I just got a partnership with master spa. So, uh, endless pool type, uh, situation yeah. where yeah. I can swim. So we're, it's literally being filled as you and I speak right now. It's, it's, t t it's already been a couple hours. It's going to take, it, you know, it's pretty deep. So it takes a while to fill. And Aaron's like, how much is my water bill going to be? I'm like, it's worth, it's worth the extra 50 bucks. I promise. Cause water's so healing. I need it, you know? So it's good. It'll be good. But you too. I hope everyone's safe and Tazzy and all is well as can yeah. be. No, I know how much you enjoy your swimming. So that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Having there. Thank you. Thank you. Right. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Yeah. MBK. You got it. We'll talk, we'll set a schedule and I want to, I want to get on that and to all the nursing moms are coming back from pregnancy. So we got two topics to talk about next time. Sounds good. All right, cool. Thanks. Right. Take care. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.